1: One word, if I were to ask you to describe in one word, uh, not, not just your emotions and feelings, not your emotions and feelings today, but if I were to ask you uh, for one word to describe the feelings and, and emotions of our world as a whole, the world around us, your neighbors, your community, your family, your workplace, your school, your campus. If I were to ask you to describe in one word the feeling and the emotions of the world around us over these last couple years. What word would you pick? One word. I I thought of a few. Hurting, maybe. Anxious, confused, polarized, that's a pretty good word. Uh, Raw, that's a word I've used to describe how people are feeling in these days. I'm not trying to say that's you, but but maybe you can relate. All of these words came to me and many more, but there's one in particular today, one word in particular that I I think describes not just how I'm feeling, but how I believe many in the world are feeling in these days, and it's the word disrupted. Maybe you can't relate to that. Maybe you can't resonate with that, but, man, I can, disrupted. In 2021, Pew Research Study issued a a study. The results, nearly 10,000 Americans that they interviewed And this was kind of the one year anniversary of when uh, COVID became a thing and people were still very much, their lives were being impacted by that. And so they wanted to know in the wake of that, a year after, you know, after that had had come and was still very much present, how how their lives were impacted. And the responses vary greatly. So 10,000 individuals, right? So they varied across age and gender and race and ethnicity and economic status and all of that. But what did not vary is almost everyone, nine out of 10 acknowledged the negative impacts, the disruption that they had experienced. Here's just a few things they found out. 40%, 40% of the 10,000 that they interviewed said they had some negative impact. The pandemic had had some sort of negative impact on on personal relationships in their life. 28% said a negative impact on their physical or mental health. One in four said it negatively impacted their job and still another one in four said it negatively impacted their personal finances in some way. The experiences varied from person to person, but it seemed like almost everyone was disrupted in some way. And for many, perhaps that disruption continues. How about you? How about you? Uh, One of the hardest parts of what we're continuing to experience in our lives even though we're close to the other side of a pandemic as we've been. But one of the the biggest challenges is that that disruption has continued. For for a long time, many of us began uh, to long for a return to normal, right? And good news, there's a lot of normalcy in our lives. Uh, We've been able to gather uh, with a lot more regularity, right? Uh, Many of us returning to work. There's precautions that we've taken, right? But life Life has continued in some form. That's good. But the world is different, isn't it? People are different. You and I experience that. We we can't ignore it. We really can't pretend. Here's just some of the research and studies of what's happening in our world. While initially the pandemic brought about incredible compassion and empathy for our neighbors, people that were in need The truth is now we've kind of emerged, our society has less empathy and compassion than ever before in history. Think about that. Today, right now, in our society, we have less empathy and compassion than ever before. It's at an all-time low. It's been declining for decades, and now, today, 2022, it's at an all-time low. People are increasingly disconnected. The irony is we have technology and all of its benefits, right? But also, technology can be a source of major isolation. While it can help connect us, the excessive use of technology actually fuels anxiety and loneliness. A statistic say right now, one out of every three adults in America feels alone. One out of three feels alone. There's more, right? This today, right now, is being called by many experts the age of anger. Man, what a name. <laughs> what a name for, for our society. The age of anger. Why? Because of, of the increased polarization that we're experiencing, right? That's exasperated by political turmoil and cultural divides. We're seeing a relationships fractured. We're seeing decreased empathy and compassion. And all of that is kind of fueling what's being called the age of anger. On, on the screen behind me, I have a few headlines, right? Just in recent days, kind of trying to express and understand this age of anger in which we're living. And my guess is as I'm describing some of this, this lack of compassion and empathy, this disconnection that we feel, maybe this age of anger, I I bet there's a few of us in here that can resonate or relate. We see it, we feel it, maybe in our own hearts and lives, we certainly see it and feel it in the lives of those around us. So that brings us to today. Today we begin a series that's very much about how the church responds to the world in which we're living. For us, this is really a vision series, a vision about who are we called to be as a church for such a time as this? Because because what I've just described to you is very true in our world. Whether we want to acknowledge it or not, it's not fun to acknowledge it. But if we step back and just acknowledge the hurt and brokenness around us, who are we called to be? Who are we as a church? called to be. Our culture and our world is changing. There's no denying that. Now, I want to say something very clear as we dive in this morning. Um, I, I want to say, and I want to make sure everybody in the room hears this. I don't want anybody to leave today being confused on this. Um, God, His truth does not change. I want to declare that. I want to emphasize that. I want you to know that God's, God cannot change He's everlasting, he's perfect, impure. God cannot change. So this morning, we're talking about some change, we're talking about what's happening in our world, but we can, we can rest assured today that the name of Jesus, we just declared, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's what it says in Hebrews 13. That's the truth that we can stand on today. Matthew 24, Jesus said this, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. So what does that mean today? That we can, we can rest assured today that the truth of who God is, his word, the message of the cross, the good news, that's what gospel means, good news, it does not change. And we, we can know that. We can be certain of that today. So I don't want there to be any confusion in the room regarding that. It is the same. God's truth is unchanging. And at the same time, while that's true, I believe it would be irresponsible for us as a church to just pretend That the world around us is returning to normal, whatever in the world that is. As much as we even long for that, I think it would be irresponsible for us to pretend like the world around us is returning to some sort of normalcy. We just completed a series called Your Unchurched Neighbor. If you weren't with us throughout the month of August, go back and listen. I think it's a critically important message as we learn. what, What does it mean to just practically share our hope with others? And really, this is kind of a part two to that series because this series was birthed out of a passion to see the church be faithful in the days in which we're living. We cannot sit back, we will not sit back or shrink back or turn back. God wants to work in and through his church. Does somebody believe that today, that God wants to work in and through his church? If anyone believes that, say amen today. Amen, some of us believe that today. I know I'm sharing some hard news, some hard truths, but the truth is still, God is on the throne. His truth is unchanging, and he desires to use his people, the church, for such a time as this. So uh, I've entitled this series, Learning and Unlearning, because I wanna suggest to you today that being a courageous, obedient, faithful follower of Jesus in 2022 requires both, learning and unlearning unlearning. I know students are back in school. We have some teachers in the room, right? We're going to talk a little bit this month about learning and unlearning, because change for the believer is about unlearning some old ideas that may not work, that may not be as relevant to the world in which we're living, and learning how God wants to use us today. Learning In unlearning. Uh, Let me share you a a story with this where it became painful for me. It was in 2020. I was walking my dog. I walked my dog a lot in 2020 because I had to be outside. I was losing my, I couldn't, uh, you you know, again, a lot of places we couldn't go. We were supposed to be home more, and I just cannot be the kind of person that just sits around. I like to relax. I, I do, but I have to leave the house at least once a day. I mean, it's like, oh, we need bread, I'll go, right? Okay, yeah, we need to pick up a a prescription, I'll do it. I just have to leave. So I'll enjoy being outside more. And so I remember this uh, particular day walking my dog. She's old, she walks really slow, but but we were doing our thing. And I just remember feeling really frustrated. And okay, I'll use the word disrupted. As many of us were In, in the middle, the height of a pandemic. There was so much craziness going on and I was trying to figure out you know, even in my own life, how to navigate it, but then for us as a church, how do we be faithful? And I was talking to the Lord. I was probably talking out loud. My neighbors probably thought, what is this dude? He's mumbling out loud to his dog or something. They were probably ready to report me. But I remember just talking to the Lord, probably complaining. And I sensed God kind of speaking. See, in all of the disruption that I was experiencing, I was fighting and pushing and trying to make everything I knew fit back into my normal. I wanted my comfort zone back. And that day on my walk, in his loving way, I, I sensed the Lord kind of prompting me and prodding me. I was frustrated. I was saying, God, what are you doing? God, what is this all about? But as I walked, I began to realize some of the pain and disruption I was experiencing. It was because there were some things I needed to un learn. Not just things God wanted me to learn. There were some things I needed to unlearn in order to continue to be faithful because things around me were changing. If you're a parent, you understand this idea of learning and unlearning. You've done it your whole life. You're an expert at it, right? Because you have one kid and and one kid comes along and there's a lot to learn. There's books and there's blogs and there's stories and there's people that want to give you all kinds of advice. Some of it very unsolicited, right? But there's a lot you got to learn as a parent and you're taking notes and you're feeling overwhelmed and you do all that. And then kid number two comes along. And maybe kid number three and four where suddenly you're not playing man-to-man defense. You're like zone defense. You're trying to figure out, we're outnumbered here, right? But there's a lot of learning that happens with parenting, but there's also a lot of unlearning because your kids are different. And you thought with kid number one, you got to figure it out. I know how to parent. I know how to raise this kid. And then number two comes along and all the things that you did with number one aren't working with number two. Hopefully you named your kids. They're not one and two, but you get what I'm saying. It's not working the same way. Well, I thought we had this down. I thought when they did this, you do this, and out come the, what happened here? Right, right, I mean, come on, think about this for a minute. Uh, you have to unlearn one way to potty train because you have to learn another. <laughs> the way you potty trained before, that's not working. <laughs> that was true with us. You have to unlearn what discipline looks like for one child and learn what it looks like for another, don't you? I see some parents, Yep. You have to unlearn how to understand a child that won't stop talking so that you can learn to understand your kid that won't start talking. Parents, you've been doing this your whole life, learning and unlearning. I want to suggest to you today that being a faithful disciple of Jesus in these days, it's not unlearning truth. Okay, his truth is constant, but, but how we apply this truth, how we live out this truth is a balance of learning and unlearning. So turn with me today. We're going to be in John 17. This is going to be the foundation of our truth. The words of Jesus himself are going to be the foundation for us today. And what's happening in John 17, this is a super important passage because we get to see, we get to read, we get to eavesdrop on Jesus praying to the Father. And that's pretty cool, right? Because, I mean, if I could learn something about praying, I want to learn from Jesus. But Jesus is praying moments before, right? He's gonna be arrested and brought to the cross. So the foreshadowing of the cross, the cross, the reason Jesus came is about to happen and he knows that and we know that because we're reading this and we get to hear and experience his heart being poured out to the Father. And he's gonna pray for his disciples, his followers, his closest followers. And then he's even gonna pray for those that would come after. He in reality is praying for us. We get to read Jesus. His words praying for you and me thousands of years later who would follow after him, follow after his believers. I would love, I would very much encourage you to go home and read through John 17. But we're going to spend just a few verses, verse 13 through 19 today. Your YouVersion Bible app, if you've got that, we have an event there today. But, but let's open the word together. This is God's word. This is Jesus praying for you and for me. Verse 13 says this. I am coming to you now. Who's that? Jesus, coming to you, God the Father, because he's praying to him, right? I am coming to you now. But I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. Who's the they? It's his disciples and those that would come after. It's his followers. It's, It's you and me. Again, that's who Jesus is praying for, that they would have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. I wanna highlight, if you have your Bible, underline these two things. There's two things in this passage that are foundational for us in this series and our world right now. The first is right here, right here in verse 14, where Jesus says, they are not of the world. They, those that would follow after Jesus, are not of the world. His followers are not to conform to the pattern of this world. Uh, Peter would say it later in 1 Peter that they are set apart. It doesn't mean they're on a pedestal. It doesn't mean they're better. It doesn't mean, no, no, no. It means that they don't, they don't have the same purpose. They don't find their purpose in the things that the world finds their purpose. They don't find their hope in the things that the world around them, they, they don't operate according to the standards of the world around them. There's something different. Why? Because they're not of the world. Those that claim faith in Jesus, they're not of the world. They, they do look a little, they do act and respond a little bit. They do love a little bit different. A lot different. They're not of the world. It's this calling to rise above the hurt and pain and sin and brokenness of the world. Because Jesus prayed, my followers are not of the world. Let's keep going. Verse 15. Verse 15 says, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, that you protect them from the evil one. That's important that Jesus prayed that, isn't it? Because Jesus could have prayed Oh, get them out of here, God, as quick as possible. Send them up to heaven with you. Get them out. Come on. Come on, Lord. Get, get them out of here. It's, you Look around. This world's a mess. Get them out. That's not what Jesus prayed, is it? Jesus said, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but protect them from the evil one. And the reason he prayed that is so that he could pray. Verses 16 through 19. They, again, he's talking about believers. He's talking about us. They're not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them. That's a a big word. Purify. Purify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself that they too may truly be sanctified. This This is the word of the Lord for us today. Two important thoughts here. We highlighted the first. What was the first again? The first was that we, his followers, those that would follow after Jesus, he prayed right there in the foreshadowing of the cross that his believers, his followers are not of the world. That's truth number one. But truth number two, you'll see it on the screen behind me, that we, Jesus prayed, are sent into the world. I want you to hear both ideas side by side followers of Jesus, those that claim faith in Christ, that that say he is Lord of my life, they are not of the world, but yet they're sent into the world. How Jesus in his prayer kind of juxtaposes these two ideas. We don't belong to the world. We don't operate according to the world's standards. We don't take our cue from the world, but yet... Jesus didn't pray, whisk them out of there, get them separated, suck them out of there as quick. No, he said, they're sent into the world. What does that mean? It means believers in Christ, the one that would claim faith, and this one who prayed before his father, we don't get to choose to wash our hands of broken and hurting people. We don't get to abandon a broken and hurting world, even though sometimes... It would be a lot easier to. We're called. When a pandemic or politics or pain darken our world, we're light. That's what Jesus prayed. That they're sent into the, they're not, they're not of the world, but they're sent into the world for a very specific purpose. They're, they're, they're missionaries. And has that ever been true? Then in our current state of our world, that believers are sent into the world. In the Sermon on the Mount, one of the most famous messages Jesus ever prayed, he, he said these two things. He said a lot. He said these two things. You are the salt of the earth. You are, Jesus said, the light of the world. Again, it's important to note what Jesus is not saying. He's not saying go become salt and light. He's not saying you'll, you'll have the opportunity to be salt and light. No, he said you are the salt and the light. It, Jesus is saying this. You are the only salt and light the world will ever have. You can be faithful in that or not. I wanna say that again, because I want you to receive that. I want you to feel the weight of it. Not, not the weight that you have to carry on your own, but the calling of God on your life for such a time as this. That, that you and I are the only salt and light the world will ever have. We can either be faithful in that or not. And that's, that's the call. So this series really, if that's true, and I believe it is, I believe the word of God, I believe Jesus' words are absolutely true. So if that's true, what does that look like in a world filled with disrupted people? Well, that's what we're going to journey together over these next couple weeks today. I just wanna introduce th- three ideas. We're gonna dive way more into these. I think they're foundational, but I wanna just share with you from my heart, three things that I'm learning and unlearning. And, and we're all plenty of time to, to dive deeper. Today is really just a beginning. I hope over these next uh, couple weeks, you'll lean in, you'll learn and unlearn with us. But, but I, I wanna suggest three things they will be behind me on the screen. The first is this, that we are a powerfully compassionate people. I'm learning and unlearning some things as, as in regards to this. This is rooted in the truth of who God is, right? Not in just charity or generosity. No, this is rooted in the character of who God is, that he loved a sinful, broken people. The truth is we're all sinners. That's what God words, because of sin, our nature towards self. That we were all sinners and we were all helpless. We couldn't save ourselves. But, but God loved us enough to send Jesus, the one that just prayed right here in John 17. He, he would go to the cross and suffer and die so that we didn't have to be enemies with God. We didn't have to be separated with him. That we could know him. We could be in relationship with God. That's the character of who God is, that he loves us. And many of you read this statement and say, well, hasn't that always been true? Haven't we always been called to be a, a, a compassionate people? Yes, yes, except that I'm learning this truth and I'm unlearning some things. You see, the old way was something like this. They will come to us, the church, right? If we offer the right programs, build a building there on the corner, open the doors, they'll come in. They'll, they'll flock in, right? They will come to us and I'm having to unlearn some things. Especially in the days in which we're living. Because I look around us and I see a need for new ways and new methods. And there's nothing wrong with praying, oh Lord, let, we're going to open the doors, let them come. But, but in these days, a powerfully and compassionate people are praying, oh no, no, we, we, we got to go to them. It's not just invite them to come to us. I love gathering. We'll talk more about that in a minute. We're not going to give up on gathering. This matters more than it ever has, but but so does going. And the call of the people Jesus prayed for, the call of him in the year 2022 is that we have to care just as much. No, no, we have to care even more about going into our communities and into our homes and in our neighborhoods and our workplaces and our schools. See, see, our powerful compassion compels us beyond hey come to us we have plenty of parking <laughs> compels us to go to go right where the hurting people in your life are meet them right where they are instead of let's offer the best programs it has to be about what do hurting and broken people need and how can we serve them well that has to be the cry of our hearts Next, I, I, I believe in these days that we are peacemakers in a fractured world. Peacemakers, I didn't make that up. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, he declared, blessed are the peacemakers. That's what Jesus said and in these days, that truth matters. It matters because the truth is many of us, as we read Jesus's prayer in John 17, we've become a little too comfortable sitting on the sidelines. Jesus prayed. They are sent into the world, and and some of us are a little too guilty of sitting on the sidelines. We easily remove ourselves because, come on, come on, we see anxiety and fear and disconnection and discord and political. We see all that, and we don't know what to do, so we just kind of shrink back or stand back or don't know. We're just praying. We're praying God do something, and praying is good. Praying is important, but so is engaging. And many of us, maybe the word to describe us could be disengaged. We don't know how to engage. It's too much. So we just, we stand back. We shrink back. Here's, here's what I'm learning, and here's what I'm unlearning. Instead of, it used to be we could assume trust in the church. We just assume people trust the church. People see the church in a good light. People look at the church and believe there's hope there. But, but what I'm learning, church, is we have to work to restore trust in the church. Many people around us today, they don't trust the church. Maybe that has nothing to do with you. Maybe that's not your fault. But the reality is what I'm learning and unlearning in these days is we have to work to restore trust in the church. Proclaiming the truth is important and so is embodying the truth in the church in 2022 is called to enter into the mess into the but to be peacemakers. We're going to talk more about that in the days to come. Finally, finally we are we are in these days recommitted to one another. Man during the pandemic, did I see that and feel that? The truth is, I'm more introverted than I've ever been in my life. I joke that having four kids beats it out of you, right? Um, not, not, it's kind of a joke. Um, but yeah, I, I love being alone sometimes. I love having some quiet times. Being in ministry and having four kids, there's not always a lot of quiet time. I love that. And so I don't know where I am. I'm probably somewhere in the middle. I love people. I get a lot of energy from people. But I really like when I can be alone sometimes too but during the disruption of a pandemic where so many of our systems of engaging with one another were kind of cut off, or, man, did I feel disrupted in relationships? Did I realize how quickly, how quickly I can feel so disconnected from people in my family, people I work with, people I minister with, and all? I felt disconnected, and the truth is, I believe many of us in our world today are still experiencing the repercussions of that disconnection. Disconnection. Gathering matters. You see, in our gathering, though, this is what I'm learning and unlearning. Gatherings always matter. We'd be like, do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. That's the truth of God's word. That's always been true. But but if we're not careful, our gathering can become too much about a a show or entertainment. We can leave the gathering talking about, man, I, I really... I really got something out of that. That really, you know, in other words, it, it entertained me. It kept my attention. It really stirred me. It really, oh, that was the right song at the right moment. And when they did that, and, man, I love that. Excellence matters. We want, we desire to do what we do with excellence. But, but see, I believe in these days, this gathering is not, it's not just about entertainment. It shouldn't be about entertainment at all. It's not just about consuming What I need, what I need to be fed, what I want, what I want. No, no, no. I believe in these days, this kind of gathering matters more than ever because we realize how desperately we need one another. We need connection because we cannot and will not operate in isolation anymore. The church must be about real, genuine connection. And we have to fight for that like never before because we're busy in our schedules, in the chaos of the world around us. And sometimes I find myself, as much as I'm disrupted by being disconnected from others, sometimes in the chaos of my world, I find the greater temptation is to pull back from other people, to isolate myself, to disconnect. And yet, why is it that one in three Adults in America right now feel alone. I bet that's true in the church. One in three. One in three of us in the room today would say, wow, sometimes I feel really alone. Relationships, connection matters. Matters. Connecting to the body can't just be an option. It can't just be an add-on. It can't be, well, if this can fit into my. No, this is essential for our hearts, for our health, to grow as disciples and followers. We can't do it alone, and this is what it means to be sent into the world, that we're not sent alone, that we need connection to other believers. Meaningful community matters. It mattered in the church, as the church was exploding in the book of Acts. It was this connection to community that mattered. I believe you need it, I believe I need it, I believe your coworker, the, the disrupted family member, the person in your life that's overwhelmed with fear in it, they need connection, real, genuine connection not just human community, not just friendship, but but godly community, sacrificing for one another, serving one another, putting someone else's needs above your own, just as Jesus modeled for us. That's, That's what we need, and man, that's what our world around us desperately needs, real connection. Our message, church, is the same. The message that we proclaim has not changed. It will not change. But the methods we use, the way that we share this message. See, our call's the same. How have the needs around us changed? How will we respond? I want to invite you to do something with me right now. Would you, um, for just a minute, would you close your eyes? We're going to pray in a minute, but we're not going to do that yet. But I am going to ask you, trust me enough. I'm not going to like sneak up on you and scare you, okay? Would you help me for a minute though? Would you just close your eyes? And this morning as we close, I want you to picture some people. I I believe these people live near you, go to your school, your campus, work where you work play sports with your kids. But help me for a minute with your eyes closed. I just want you to visualize some people today. Would you visualize the person um, in, in your life that they lost two healthy parents to COVID and the grief and the pain and the disruption of that they've never been able to get over? Would you picture with me the student, the young person, who is growing up in this chaos happening in our world is the only reality they really know. And they're surrounded by other students, young people, teenagers that are anxious and overwhelmed. And they're trying to figure out what does it mean to be faithful? What does it mean to shine light in the midst of real darkness? Would you picture with me today the couple They feel so disconnected from each other because all relationships have been disrupted, even their own. And they love each other, but but they're, they're feeling so disrupted and they don't know how to fix it. I believe there's others in your life right now. Can you picture them? Can you picture the way uh, we, we feel? Ha, ooh, I feel the impact of what's happened in our world over the last couple of years. But, but today with your heads bowed, with your eyes closed, can you see those people in your life? What is it that they need? Not just from you, but from the Lord. What is it? How, how can the church be faithful in their lives today? How can we be faithful to make sure that the unchanging truth of God's word shows up in their life? How is it that you and and me, followers of Jesus, are sent into their world today as Jesus prayed? As you picture that person today, I pray you would identify one who's one person like that in your life. I want you to believe that we're going to pray, but I want you to believe this to be true. You are alive for such a time as this. The question is, are you ready? You are alive right now, on purpose, for a reason. The question is: Are you ready? Are you ready? God today? There's no question. There's no question that the world around us is broken. We experience, there are broken people in the room today, God, we feel it. We're living it. There's no question, God, that there's chaos surrounding us. But we have incredible hope because of you, because of your truth, because you don't change. The circumstances around us cannot change you in your truth and that you are the hope. You are, you are the good news, God, today. So we are a people of hope. And now, give us the courage to believe that today matters. Give us the courage to believe that what's happening in our world today, while it may seem out of control to us, you are in control and you have a very specific reason, a very specific purpose that we are alive today, God. We invite you to open our eyes. We invite you to give us vision for how we can be obedient for such a time as this. We will not sit back. We will not shrink back in fear because you're not a God of fear. We trust you and we need you. And today, our answer to you is yes. Are we ready, God? Yes. If you're with us, we're ready. If you're for us, we're ready. If your truth is still true in 2022, we're ready. And we will do whatever it is you call us to do for such a time as this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.
0: Thank you so much for listening today. Go ahead and subscribe to our channel for updates and new episodes. And if you have any questions about our church or ministries, go ahead and
1: email us at info at org.